Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okay, this week we are talking about the 12th episode of the second season called The Zanzibar Marketplace Job. Beth, what did you think? Alright, so my fucking prediction was not good. <laughs> no, not even close. Like, I'm like, mm, a farmer's market, like someone's messing with the fresh produce. Mm. No, uh, I was very off base. But do you know what? I'm not mad about it. I, I also don't think there was any way that you were going to be yeah, on this. I, like, I, I also am kind of like, I don't think that it reflects poorly on me that I did not pick what this episode was going to be about. And also, unlike the two-horse job, where we did not get a horse-drawn carriage situation, I'm not that mad about it. <laughs> no. So, the interesting that you bring up the two-horse job, because that is also an episode which features Sterling. Yes. Let's start there, maybe. Sterling, thoughts, feelings, how are you like? I feel like it's pretty well established on this podcast that I fucking adore Mark Shepard. So I'm always happy to see Sterling on my screen. I did love that we got to see him again. I do kind of wish we got a little bit more of him. That's probably my yeah. only complaint is that like we had him, but I feel like he was slightly underutilized. Yeah. My absolute fucking favorite thing is the very end of the episode when he's like in the boot and he Which, gets asked to work for Interpol. So do you remember Hilarious. a couple of episodes ago when I said, just note here that yes. they've now mentioned Interpol specifically as the law enforcement agency. Yes. This is going to be a helpful tool for us later. Yes. This is why Sterling is now Interpol. That is so fucking funny. And he manages it doing a trick that they've already established that he does. Literally, in his introduction, in the two-horse job, they specifically mention, oh, I heard that he once hid in the boot of a car for yeah. X number of days to re- like to retrieve to, a stolen... Yeah, whatever it was. Whatever painting, it was. It was a painting of some sort, I'm pretty sure. But... Yeah. So how... So fucking good. I love that reveal. I also adored... I adored him being fake drunk and pretending he was going to piss up against that wall yeah. to buy parker time. I thought that was very fun, inspired. Um, and then you have, like, him trying to explain to Parker, like, how it's genius or whatever. And, like, Hardison's just in the van, like, nah, yeah. fuck you, mate. Yeah, so fucking good. Amazing. I also... I... I know that we're not at a point in Supernatural where you know Crowley yet, yeah. but, like, that whole bit where he's like, oh, Nate, I have to tell you something. It's on the tip, tip of, of my, my tongue. tongue. Like, yeah. that is so fucking Crowley-coded. I, like, it really brought me joy. Yeah. <laughs> so that was brilliant. I also, oh, there was one other scene that I really, really enjoyed. I also really love the fact that it's basically, like, a prerequisite to be part of the team. Like, that, like the baseline yeah, is hating, hating Sterling. Like, yeah. once you hate Sterling, you are officially part of the it's team. It's so funny. When Tari was like, oh, I hate him, and Elliot, like, clinked the beers, I, I was like, that is so funny. That's such a good touch. No, the thing that I noticed was you pointed out to me that with Sterling and Nate, whoever's in control will hand the drink. And yeah. I was like, oh, and I saw Sterling hand the drink, and first of all, I was like, oh, no, Nate, this is not good. Yeah. But the thing that I was very excited that I noticed was the whole bit about like Nate and Sterling and who's handing the drink and yeah. like that person being in control because you pointed that out to me and so I saw it happen in this episode and I was like oh my god it's happening and then I was like oh no Nate is still drinking yeah and I, part of me is glad that they didn't just drop that off from yeah. last episode part of me is like okay we're gonna actually address it but the other part of me is like fuck like we I just I just experienced what it could be like to have sober Nate mm-hmm. and now the prospect of going Back to drunk Nate is just 
Oh, yeah. I I really hope that they wrap this up quickly because I do not want to deal with that shit again. Yeah. I just, but even I'm drunk night in this episode is not as annoying as drunk night in the first season. I don't think he's as drunk. No, no, he's. There's different, definitely different like levels to drink drunk night. Like mm-hmm. this is just sort of like base level, base level. Like it's also he's self aware. Yeah, is the other thing. Like in the first season, he like lacked any sort of self awareness about how his drinking was making him like not okay. He now knows that he is not okay. Like he is. Mm. But he's just trying to get through. Well, and then Maggie makes the excellent point at the end of the episode where she says, the liquor isn't what concerns me. What concerns me is that you're hiding it in a coffee cup. And I was like, that is, first of all, Maggie, fucking phenomenal. Just generally. She knows this man so well. She is calling him on his shit left, right, and center. And Mm. I adore it. I also fucking love her shirt in the final scene. Yeah. It is cute as hell. Mm -hmm. Cute as hell. Yeah. Um... This is a Maggie Collins Stan podcast. It is. It is. And oh, she has a beautiful quote at the end too where she's like, I wasn't kidding or I wasn't lying yeah. before. I really like the man you've become. It's a pity you don't. Yeah. And I was like, oh, too bad you don't. Yeah. I was like, damn, she's really coming for his life today. I look, so let's talk about Maggie in this episode. We've mm-hmm. already brought her up. We've Let's move on to the other side character that I was so excited. I was like, yes, we're getting Maggie back. I love Maggie. This episode is a banger. I I love the fact that, like, she's very clearly moved on. She's, like, she started dating Alexander Lundy, who is, like, the not bad guy in this episode. Like, he's... Yeah, he's confusing. Like, by the end of the episode, I was like, this man... The actor who played him did a really great job of genuinely seeming so shocked and betrayed at this turn of events and i was like damn he's really like heartbroken over this like and it it did make me think that like because he says to i I don't actually know the name of the guy who ended up being the real sam sam thank you mull on that for a minute (laughs) and no i'm not referring to sam supernatural i'm referring to the fact that maggie and nate's son was literally named sam yeah look (laughs) Moving on from that. So he seemed so shocked, genuinely upset yeah. that Sam would betray him. And he, he even says, like, but we were friends. And Sam's like, I'm your fucking employee. And I think that that's a really interesting dynamic to highlight because people like Alexander Lundy, and bear in mind, I am not in these social circles. So I'm making this, like, sort of generalized statement. I could be totally wrong. But I get the feeling mm. that people who tend to be in those highly, like, those very, very sort of elite elites is mm. yeah, you know, um, sort of standings. Very, very rich, wealthy, powerful, both in finances and in social status, typically seem to have this overwhelming loneliness. Mm. And like that whole thing of like I'm surrounded by so many people, like I'm alone in a crowded room. Yeah. Like they're going to all these events and stuff where they don't really have any actual friends, mm. kind of thing. And I was like, it's an interesting dynamic to highlight that this guy first of all was treating his employees so badly but didn't see it that way yeah and then also was under the impression that they were friends like this is probably what who he would consider his closest friend because he doesn't actually have anyone around him who is you know friendship kind of material and then this other guy was like dude i was your underappreciated employee like i think that it's really interesting to highlight that sort of Dichotomy. Dichotomy, but just this 
I mean, relationships are a two-way street. Yeah. And in this instance, it's like the two sides of the street were mm-hmm. phenomenally different. Yeah. And the idea about what the street looks like is just, you know, chalk and cheese. Yeah. And so I did think it was really interesting to make that point like it is clearly not the main point of the episode and it's not what we're supposed to focus on but it is actually one of the things that stood out most to me is like that they underpin this sort of inherent loneliness of being at the top of the tower and yeah this concept of like he was so blinded that he he didn't see how poorly he was treating the people beneath him but also he was blinded by this idea that like he thought they were friends and this other guy is like we're not fucking friends what are you talking about you know I mean, how can you be friends with someone who handles a bomb that poorly? <laughs> I mean, I know Parker says the first one's oh, always the hardest. It's so but... funny. The look on her face as she's walking away, like, ugh. It was just... Actually, I did love Parker in this episode. She was phenomenal. The whole thing about, like, she's never been a fugitive before. I made her a bag. I She needs this stuff. So cute. She's like, this is toothpaste. This is explosive. Do not get it mixed up. It's <laughs> so funny. I also even just love the scene where, like, she just appears in the room where Crowley, Crowley, not Crowley, Mark Shepard's character, Sterling, Uh sorry, we were talking about, she just appears in the room where Sterling and Nate are talking, and, like, Sterling is thrown. Sterling is like, how long has she been here? How long has she been here? And she's just, like, completely ignoring him. She's just making her point, like, yeah, no, the hack time on the keypad is normally this. Mm -hmm. There is no way they could have done it without an inside, like... And I, I... I adore that she's just sitting on the bench. Like, there are chairs available. Yeah. She's like, mm, I'm going to sit on the bench. The I'm like, I, I relate so hard to that. I'm like, look at all these chairs I have in my lounge room. Do you know that where I'm going to sit bench on the bench? So yeah, like, right? It looks great. It looks perfect. And then I also really love, not only was she going through, like, she's doing all this fucking mental math, like, figuring yeah. out the exact, to the second, how long this job would take. But also, I love the little addition that she's like, no one outside of Hardison could do that. And I'm like, Oh, that's so cute. Like, just like a little bit of recognition. Oh, and this episode, speaking of Hardison and Parker, we get uh, fake dating AU 2.0. 2.0, we get Parker as a male order bride, essentially. <laughs> yeah, interesting take. I do love Hardison's bit about, uh, I want to take her back to the States. This is true love. Uh, oh, I do have a question. Yeah. This is uh, leverage tends to not have that many big yikes moments. Yeah. However, in this scene, I don't know if I heard it wrong because I didn't go back and re-listen and unfortunately the app I use, I usually watch everything with subtitles mm. because I find it hard to hear everything yeah. sometimes, but I don't have subtitles access on this particular platform. Does Hardison make a, and I'm going to use air quotes, quote-unquote mm. joke, saying about how they don't always turn out to be women. Like, that kind of... The quote is, you know how it is with girls on the internet, sometimes they ain't girls. Yeah. I always just interpreted that as, like, a catfishing reference. Yeah, okay. Versus, like, a transphobic reference. Okay, because I, like I said... It could very well be interpreted as transphobic. Personally, I've always just, like... The way I interpret it is, like... Sometimes they, they're old, ugly women, essentially. Like, it's sort of more what he's saying versus, like, they're men or they're mm. trans. Like, Okay. Because the only the only reason why yeah. I was, like, sort of airing to, like, oh, I don't, like, instead yeah. of it being sort of like a scam, right? Mm. Because that that's one very valid interpretation. I'm just thinking of, like, the last time he was playing a character and he was playing a gay man and he really lent into those, like, yeah. 
pretty harmful sometimes stereotypes. So I was kind of like, I didn't love, it. love no, that. It's okay. And you um, can not love it. I personally, I've never interpreted it as specifically like transphobic. Yeah. But it could very well be interpreted that way. There is no, there is nothing there that is explicitly makes it not interpretable. Yeah. Way. And I think um, it is also like the lens of, you know, relatively early 2000s. Yeah. It was a much more homophobic time. Not to yeah. say that there's no homophobia now, but it has drastic, like, the situation yeah. has drastically improved for at least the parts of the world where, yeah. like, you know, this is was filmed yeah. and created and where we are. I did just want to mention it because mm. I do think it was something that it stood out to me as like oh and yeah I've always interpreted it as like either like like sort of like catfishing and, and like as part of that like maybe men pretending to be women but not like genuinely like trans people like yeah like uh, that's how I've always interpreted it um certainly there are other ways you could interpret that line that are a lot more negative but like that's just that's not the read I've ever gotten from it. Yeah, that's fine. I just, I did just want to point it out because I do think it can definitely yeah. be interpreted that way. It's how I interpreted it immediately. I yeah. was like, oh, that's not cool. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, I know that's okay. That's it's a perfectly valid interpretation. Personally, not mine, but it like there is nothing in the canon that explicitly makes it not that. Yeah. But we did not have to spend that much time on no. that. I literally just wanted to point it out for the sake of I didn't want to not point it out. But while we are talking about that scene, we do have to talk about how fucking iconic Parker's look in that entire scene is. The, like, the fucking shiny gold top, Mm -hmm. the jeans, the ponytail, the big The earrings were the thing that did it for me. Although I do have to point out, I honestly wasn't, like, what stood out to me about that scene was not actually the outfit. It was the bit that as they're walking towards the room mm-hmm. and she's talking about how she went to the museum and she's like starstruck by the security system yeah. and she's like talking about all the specs and she's so excited. She's like, yeah. I've only ever seen this kind of system in books. And it was so funny. I was it's like, so I'm pure, so obsessed like, with her idea of tourism is so funny to me. Mm-hmm. And like, I thought it was really cute because, like, at the start of the episode, like, she's talking to Hardison and he's like, no, we wouldn't steal anything. We would just go. And she was like, I don't understand. And so I just thought it was just so cute to have that, like, obviously she's been to the museum and he's like, okay, but, like, what about the art? She was like, who fucking cares about the art? Like, I, you told me I wasn't here to steal things. I didn't steal things. I looked at the security So I didn't look at the things I would want to steal. I, but I appreciated the thing that I came here to actually admire. Like, and I just think, like, to her, that was the art. Yeah. Like, the security system was the thing of value in Mm -hmm. that space and i just think and you also know so that fun. she already has like 14 million ideas about how she could roll it like oh yeah yeah I mean, she's looking at it like a challenge yeah and i love that i love that energy that she brings mm-hmm. to all of her cases and i think that this episode really exemplified that in that scene but also in the scene that we mentioned earlier with sterling and nate where she's like going through like step Average by step pack, the process and like and this that. is going to take exactly this long and you know I also just really love, like, the moment where you can see where she goes from Parker to into character. Mm. And, like, that transition. The like switch. I really love that. Like, personally, it's just, like, I think it's a really fun detail to show, like, she she's not sort of like Sophie who sort of just, like, lives in the characters. Mm. It's like she turns it off when she needs it and then she turns it immediately off. Like, she's not, like... It's literally like flipping a switch. Right? Yeah. Sophie feels like one of those... You know how you can get those light switches with the dials where you can, like, sort of... Dimmable light switches. Dimmables, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Sophie feels like a, a dimmer switch to me, whereas Parker is like just a standard everyday light switch. Oh, no. It's either on or it's off. Whereas yeah. Sophie is like you can have all those intermediary sort of yeah. settings. Speaking of Sophie, mm-hmm. I have a question. Yeah. So obviously she has like a little cameo in this episode. Yeah. She's sort of Very Skype brief. calling or she, whatever. Yeah. Zoom calling, whichever is, you know, takes your fancy. But I have a question about that scene because mm-hmm. I assume the reason that she's like you know doing the like not like don't let him know I'm here kind of motion yeah. and they tilt the screen down I assume that's because like of the fight they had the other episode and like yeah. how she hung up on him and she was basically like I'm not going to tolerate this from yeah. you kind of thing which you know good on her the thing that confused me though is that Nate walks into that room clearly knowing what they've been talking about mm-hmm. and I'm like how could he possibly be able to enter the room knowing what they've been talking about and have a fully formed opinion on it Without hearing Sophie's side of that conversation, yeah. which means that he knows she's there. Like mm. I that and I think, I think it's kind of like a thing. I think I think it's actually intentional. I think it's just like a, and you can see it on like Elliot Hardison's faces of like busted, mm. like as subtle as like Sophie was trying to be like no get me like obviously Nate heard yeah. I just think that it seems out of character for Nate to not mention something and then it didn't get brought up later in the episode and usually these kinds of things leverage tend to yeah. address. Like, and the fact that they didn't, I was like, oh, maybe How they actually... fucking addressed the whole Sterling was in a boot for three days thing. Like, Yeah, like I kind of thought that maybe there would be a line like at sort of at the end of the wrap-up of the episode where Nate would be like, so how Sophie kind of thing. So like to cue them yeah. into the fact that he does know mm. that they were talking to her, but there was sort of nothing of that. And I think it's just strategically for him, there is no purpose to him bringing it up. So he didn't. I mean, but maybe. Like, I think either honestly, that or he just heard like the last like two sentences that like Hardison and Elliot said to each other. I mean, yeah, but like he would have, even from that though, he would have no way of knowing specifically what they were talking about. And I just think, in in my opinion, I feel like it feels like they didn't think about mm. the actual logic of that particular yeah, scene. Fair so it's not necessarily a, like, I didn't like it. I just think that it doesn't make any sense. And I do kind of wish that if it is the case that it's fine, like he was supposed to just know she was there, that's fine. But I think that if that was the case, they should have at least had, like, a line where he mentioned, like, he implies mm. that he knew rather than them just sort of, like, running with it. Because it literally doesn't make sense. Even if you made, like, a reference to, like, God bless Sophie and her complaining about how the parking in Stockholm was a nightmare after the Rembrandt heist. Yeah, like, like or if he'd even mentioned the Rembrandt heist, heist. Like, anything to cue the audience in and them To in, cue the, of, like, he heard been all listening. Yeah. Like, even if, like, they had the comms in or something and he heard over the comms, like, I would be happy with whatever explanation. It just, I was kind of like, he literally walks into a room, the door is closed, there's no windows. There is no feasible way he should have known what they were talking about. It just feels like they didn't – either they didn't think it through and they just needed to keep the scene moving or it should have had some sort of implication. That he was snooping or something. That he, was, that he overheard. Yeah, exactly. And so – and then I think that given that he's drinking as well and given that there's the tension of the fact that he runs into Maggie and stuff and she's with someone else and the whole bit like that. It and then he has to like, fake date Tara for a bit, like, yeah, it to, like, cover like, for the fact that she's there with him. Yeah. It seems like he – and this is my read on his character, especially because he's drinking again mm. and there's already that high intention and he's already sort of, like, had that fight with Sophie that hasn't been resolved yet. I feel like he, as a character, would probably have been a bit pissy. Mm. And we didn't really see that. So I'm – 
it's not even really a complaint. It's just I was confused by it. Yeah. It, it feels like sloppier writing than I'm used to from Yeah, normally leverage. leverage is pretty like... Like, to be the show that it is, the writing has to be really tight, and mm. this felt a little sloppy. Yeah. And that's really the only reason it stood out And it's out weird, me. because for me, the rest of the episode is all, like, everything else about the episode is very tightly written. Mm. Like, mm. everything else, like, it all slots in perfectly. That's why it stands out. Like, so it's like, the, just that one moment, yeah, you're... Personally, I haven't ever put that much thought into it, I don't think. But I think you put more thought into everything than anyone I've ever met. Like, <laughs> like just generally. Like, you think about things a lot. I, look, I, I think it's fun. This is my, analyzing media is my hobby. Even before I had a podcast, it was just the thing that I did. It was the thing that I did for fun. So now I just get to talk about it. And I have to put everyone else through my shit. So... <laughs> All right. Well, I said we were done talking about Sterling. We're not done talking about Sterling. I'm okay. sorry. I'm dragging <laughs> Wait, Don't apologize. Back. I love Sterling. Um, Happy to talk about him. I really, I really quickly just want to talk about the dig he makes at Hardison, which is, I liked the old place better. Oh, yeah. Get fucked. I, <laughs> he's such a twat. Like. I love him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Same. Like, he's a very enjoyable twat, but yeah. he's a fucking twat as, like, you know, you can't argue with it. I do think it is very fun, the little back and forth he has with Hardison. I I think it is very entertaining, the relationship he has with every single member of yes, the crew. Yes, 100%. One thing I do want to talk about is the fight with Elliot. Yes. I thought you might bring this one up. Yeah. <laughs> I love so much about that scene and I hate so much about that scene. Same. I. There are things where I'm like, this is comedy gold yes and there are things where i'm like this makes no fucking sense like anyway what, what were your thoughts let's hear your your okay. official thoughts so i think chime in my first thing that i absolutely love about that scene i'm, I'm still gonna start more yeah. positive let's let's start with what we love yeah. and we'll tear it to shreds hardison and parker paying off the bartender to not step in Okay, that actually comes under one of the things I dislike. Oh my, okay. Okay, and my reasoning is, mm -hmm. so I think it's funny. I think yes. it's like a little, as a bit, I think it's hilarious. Yeah. But I'm also kind of like, in what world is that going to work? Like, in what fucking universe? Because these guys are not only causing massive property mm -hmm. damage, endangering all of the other patrons. Like, in no fucking world. Is that going to work? I, like, I also think, though, they have VIP status at the bar, considering last episode they literally fucking saved it. I mean, yeah, but, like, in, like, any case, I think, like, the least they could have done is at least take the fight outside. Because, my goodness, like, the last thing that they need is for, you know... Cops to show up or something. For the cops to show up or for anyone in the vicinity who's not already a part of this fight to get injured... You know, especially if the, you know, they have some kind of legal investigation as to like, oh, how did this person get harmed? And then they have to be like, well, why didn't you call the police or have removed them from the premises? Not all oh, because they paid me cash. Like, what the fuck? Like, it's never, yeah. it's over on our Supernatural podcast. Jamie has a section called Jamie's PSAs and it's very fun. And basically every week she gives a little bit of a PSA that's somehow relevant to the episode. I'm going to hijack that for a moment. We're going to have a, a Beth's unsolicited advice moment. And it's don't take bribes. <laughs> it's don't take bribes to not remove people from the premises when they are being public danger and menace. Like what? 
What? All I can think of is the one week I couldn't think of anything, so the PSI I went with was fucking don't tip, like, don't pay meticians to see dead bodies. Yeah, literally. Like, <laughs> drives to show people dead bodies. Genuinely. But, like, yeah, I... So I loved the bit. I mm. thought it was very funny. I thought it was very in character and, like, whatever. But I was also like, I don't believe it. Yeah. Like, my belief is not suspended. Yeah. I enjoy it, but I don't believe it. Okay. I also just want to say I love that Sterling's only even half holding his own because he's got a nightstick and is trying to Oh, my God. It's so it. funny. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that he came prepared with that. Yeah. Like, he knew. He knew. He knew. <laughs> he knew. Like, 100% he knew. So funny. And I also love that he's doing absolutely nothing. Like, he's, like, whacking whatever part of Elliot he can reach. And it's, like, just not even affecting him at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I really loved the bit when Nate sees that Sterling is there. Yes. And says to uh, to Elliot, like, promise me you won't do anything violent or whatever it is. And Elliot's going, I only use violence as an appropriate response. Yeah. And then Sterling walks in and Elliot sees and he just loses it. I, but I am, I, I do want to ask you about this yeah. because we have talked a yeah. lot. So yeah, yeah. at the time of recording, we have just released our episode on the Beantown bailout job yeah. and the tap out job yeah. and, you know, these episodes. We're just going through editing them now. So we're starting to re-listen to our listen to them. And one of the things we talked about a lot in the first couple of episodes of this season is Elliot and control. Yeah. And like, I just like, where did that go? Like, what fucking happened to that? It didn't go anywhere. He is perfectly in control. It is. It's. Okay. So you know how, in biology, two organisms can be symbiotic. Yeah. Nate and Elliot are symbiotic. Okay. Right? Sure. Elliot puts on this veneer of being out of control, which we have talked about Mm -hmm. previously. Particularly the tap-out job. Particularly the tap-out job. He puts on this veneer of being out of control, so it allows Nate to look more in control. Oh, So if you look at this fight through the lens of Elliot basically putting on a show so that Nate looks like he has more control than he does. Mm. I See, this is why I wanted to ask you about this. Because I was like, I am certain that I'm missing something from this picture. And that was the thing I was missing. Because I was like... Why is Elliot doing this? Because for him to maintain control of this situation in terms of, like... A public rule is not the way to do it. Yeah, like, that is actually probably the worst thing he could have done. But no, what he's doing is he's handing more control to To Nate. Nate. And that's why he pins Sterling and Nate comes over calm and collected. Collected. And then he's the one who talks to Sterling. Yeah. Yeah. And because, like... Basically, it gives him this illusion of having control over Elliot, Mm. which adds to Nate's sense of control of the situation. Yeah. Okay. It's all a ruse. It lends Nate authority. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm so on board with that. This is why I wanted to ask you before I just came out and was like, this makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Because I knew that you would have a take. Yeah. And I love that Mm -hmm. take. Yeah. And I also really love, like, thinking about it from that perspective, Mm -hmm. I really love how it kind of highlights... The way that this team, like, does work symbiotically. Yeah. Like, that's a really good way to put it. Like, they are mutually beneficial in this relationship. And they there is a back and forth. Yeah. And I think that that is very much the case, specifically in the second season. In the first season, mm. I would argue that there was not so much 
equal back yeah. and forth from Nate to the rest of the yeah. crew. I think they were giving him a lot. Mm. I don't think he was giving them fucking much at all. Yeah. So it's really nice to see that shift this season. Mm-hmm. And it is part of why I'm so worried about him drinking again. Yes. Because I do think that when he is inebriated, he is more single-minded mm-hmm. and he is not thinking so much about the team and the consequences of his actions on everyone around him he's thinking only about himself and what he wants to achieve and his own ego yeah and so i did not think that i was going to have this much of a take on this but so i'm gonna maybe wrap it up but But it is very very fascinating and i'm so glad that you were able to explain that to me because that just made everything make a lot more sense Mm -hmm. so keep an eye out for that i have like vaguely talked about it before but this is the first really clear example of what we get We've had a, a couple of more, like, minor examples previously, mm-hmm. but this is the first one where you can really see, like, really see it sort of come into play. Mm-hmm. Um, I do definitely feel like setting up Sterling with Interpol definitely heightens yeah. something. I don't really know. Because I think it's because they've set up Sterling as basically the only person who can defeat Nate. He's also kind of the only person who fully understands what the crew is doing. Yes. And has experience not only knowing what comms they have run, but seeing intimately how they run their operation. Like, Sterling has an in. Yeah. And it makes him a really, really interesting character. It makes him a threat. Mm -hmm. But also, like this episode, he can also sort of flipping the coin, be quite a strong ally. Yes. Like, his position mm-hmm. is one that could benefit them so much or one that could fuck them over. Because and it's kind of, like, dependent on his fucking mood. Yes. And so I do think that that is probably the thing that is of... In terms of threats to the team as a whole, I yeah. think there are two major threats. Sterling's new position, which is brand new as of this episode. Yes. And what ends up happening with Sophie. Mm-hmm. And then I think as sort of an extension of that, what happens with Sophie and Nate? Yes. Because if they go back to the season one era of like, we're going to be so unprofessional and let our emotions get in the way of everything. That was, I think, one of the biggest threats to the team in season one. And I think that that would not change. That would still remain quite a threat. Oh my God. I do want to point something out. Yes. Go for it. Nate refers to Maggie as his wife and no one is there to correct him because Maggie's not there and Sophie's not there. And they are the two people who Who always always correct him. him. And I was like, oh my God, because I was waiting for it. Yeah. He said my wife. And then I was waiting for someone to be like ex-wife and then no one did. And I was like, oh my God, Sophie's like, the lack of Sophie is deafening in this silence. Yes. Like, you know that Taylor Swift lyric that's just like, I've never heard silence quite this loud? Yeah. That's how I felt about that scene. The, the missing Sophie being ex-wife, like... I the was missing like, Maggie being, like, ex-wife. Yeah. Like, in that particular scene, I really was like, oh, my God, like, Sophie is not there to correct yeah. him. But then, yeah, my secondary thought was like, and neither is Maggie because she's in this terrible situation. Yeah. So... But no... Because, yeah, they, they are the two that always call him out on his bullshit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as evidence, Maggie calls him out a little bit on his bullshit this episode. I mean, she also makes out with him in the elevator with the bomb. But I did not see that. Literally, up until, like, the second before, when she goes, like, she says his name. I think she just goes, yeah. Nate. I was like, oh, my God, are they going to make out? And then, like, a second later, they were making out. And I was like, I did not see that coming. Like... As you're probably reassured, though, it was like an adrenaline there in an elevator with a bomb. Like, if we're about to die. If we're about to die sort of thing. And it does not mean that they are now together. Like, no, 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 no. Like, it is, they're not retconning it now, like, him and his ex-wife are getting back together. I will 
rest assured that is not what's happening i do think it was so funny that she's asking like oh so you're dating sophie and he's like no i'm not dating sophie and like sam's in the background just like are you guys really fucking doing this right now (laughs) so funny oh speaking of which do you want to hear my notes about sam yes okay my point goes uh, the dude who's stuck in there with them is the real MVP, in my opinion. And then my next note is, oh, wait, okay, he's the real bad guy. LMAO, I take it back. <laughs> oh, my God, that is hilarious. Yeah. You I was like, like, wow, he's great. I love him. Then I was like, hang on a minute. No, I don't. <laughs> um. Oh, I want to talk about, very quickly, I want to talk about Tara. Mm-hmm. I am obsessed. Mm-hmm. Obsessed. With the way she ran that fucking con on that dude without saying a motherfucking word. Yes. That was the most incredible fucking power move I have ever seen. I, like, mind fucking blown. She takes a sandwich. I was like, you just won this without even... Like, the second she takes a sandwich, because it's such a powerful, like... The confidence she would have to have. Yeah. Like, from his perspective, the guy she's conning. From his perspective, the confidence that that woman would have to have to come out from him, take his food out of his hands and just start eating it. And then, like, of course he's going to assume that there's a reason she's that fucking confident. And so he literally just starts telling her everything. She doesn't have to say shit. Also, so funny, her being late to Elliot. When he looks at you, just do that thing with your eyes that makes everyone scared. He's like, what thing? She's like, you know the thing. And it's so funny. And also the face he makes. I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) But... Anyway, I just obsessed with that. Obsessed with her whole energy. That was incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think it was my favorite scene in this episode. Like, it was so good. Okay, but close second favorite scene. When her and Maggie are literally just stealing and they're best. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. That was also so fucking good. And I, then I love that... Uh, Maggie's like, oh, she's like a foreign aid. And he's like, is she? Or like, really? And she's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Fucking Nate being useless. But anyway, so I loved that. So when she goes back to Elliot and she says, what we imagine is always so much better than the reality. And he literally goes, like, love? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. What the fuck? Like, context. We have just had Taylor Swift's Midnight's bid release, like, literally within the last 72 hours. And... Like, there are some lyrics in there that are heartbreaking. But when I heard that, that hit me like a fucking sucker punch to the gut. Like, what the hell? Jesus. I And also, bizarre that he would say something so vulnerable. Because it yeah. doesn't come across like no. he's making a joke. It comes across like he's asking it, like, almost, like, as a question. Yeah. Like, a genuine question. And I was like, where the fuck did that come from? And then they just don't address it at all. <laughs> I don't know. Like, that... Oh my I'm god. I'm a leverage scholar and like I've never I've never thought of or read any meta that explains why he would suddenly be so vulnerable in that moment. Bizarre to me. But like not yeah. a, this is not a, a a complaint. I was just like, oh I like it as a moment. God. It's just like yeah. out of the blue. I was just like, damn, you babe, are you okay? Like <laughs> are you okay? I do think, sorry. I was just going to say, also, I appreciate that when Elliot is being gross and hitting on the waitress, that Nate calls him on his bullshit and kicks him under the table. I don't often agree with Nate. Yeah. But in this instance, I do. But it's also, like, we've we've talked in the last couple of episodes about how, like, there's some, like, weird, like... Yeah, they're putting weird... I think this one is, like, neither here nor there, because he just sort of, like, smiles at her. He does call her sweetheart, though. Yeah. But it's, like, 
it's it's not in the same like ugh, way as the last two episodes. Like yeah, it was less overt in this episode, but I do think it's interesting that they've included this line about him being like like love. Yeah. In the context of us just talking about like all of this like weird yeah. kind of like stuff they're being womanizer bullshit yeah. they're kind of throwing him into. And so I think maybe it's supposed to be a commentary on that. That like these relationships that he's seeking out or engaging with are very shallow. Maybe. But I it seems I don't know what they're trying to do with his character right now, but I'm confused by it. Also, his hair is getting super long. Again, not Did a you complaint. notice the little beads in the bottom? Yes, I did notice that. I love that. the little beads. I but I was like, damn, when did his hair get this long? Like I knew he had long yeah. hair the whole time, but yeah. I'm like, it's like longer than mine now. Yeah. Like it's grown. Yeah. And again, not a complaint. Just an observation. It's a look. Yeah. I look, I think there's one thing in this episode that I thought that you were going to really enjoy, and I'm surprised you haven't brought it up yet, which is Maggie calls Nate the fuck out when he's talking on, on his intercom. Like, he's like, she's like, that's your intercom voice. Yes. Yes. She reads like, him for filth. And I love it. She's a queen. I. She we is. Stand. She is fucking fantastic. And actually, this is a, a Nate thing. But I have a note that just says, Nate needs to fucking chill with both the drinking and the letting his emotions get the better of him. Because as soon as he sees Maggie with this other dude, he's like fucking talking out his ass. I'm like, bro, bro, you need to fucking get over yourself, please. God damn it. You, it, it really reminded me of the wedding job and that whole bit yeah. with the priest thing. And he was like yeah. bitching on about like him and Sophie. Fuck's sake, man. Get your shit together. Get your shit together. I felt really bad for Maggie in that moment. Because I was like, wow, that's so fucking awkward. Like, you're just there trying to have a good time with your new boyfriend. Your ex-husband shows up. And he's just being a twat. And he's got, like, theoretically, to her knowledge, he has his new woman on his arm. Yeah. And he's still, like, like, fucking how horrible. Mm. Like, how shitty would that be if you were, like, the new person in the relationship? Like... And you're on this guy's arm, like, ready to have a good time. And then all of a sudden, all he's doing is fucking being jealous of his ex that you've run into randomly. Like, what the? It's a bad look. It's a bad look. Which is why I did love her and Tara becoming besties. They're besties. Immediately. I did think it was so funny. They're besties. And I love that for them. On this scene. Yeah. On this scene. When Hardison and Sterling, at the very beginning, they've, like, literally just walked into the room. Hardison and Sterling are talking on the comms and Hardison is like complaining that he's sitting in like the van that yeah. smells like cabbage and how they're like eating canapes and like yeah. drinking champagne or whatever. Just behind Sterling is the most beautiful flower arrangement. It I who whichever florist that they had. Props to set design for choosing oh a good florist. My like. goodness. Beautiful. Beautiful. I was so distracted by the flowers, I was barely paying attention to anything else, not gonna lie. But they were lovely. Real standout of the episode for me. The flowers. The flowers. The, the real MVP. The real MVP, yeah. Not the guy who was no. <laughs> actually evil. No. The flowers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, back on Elliot for a hot minute. Yes. We also got the line from Maggie about people underestimate you, yes. Elliot, and Nate saying, that's kind of the point. And I was like, oh, dang, that is the point. That's what Jamie said forever ago. Yeah. So I... I we have, like, actual confirmation. And that one ties really nicely into my point earlier that I was making about how... Like, the whole, it's like, it's a con. Mm. Elliot being out of control is a con. Yeah. Like, we already know because of the, the tap, tap out, out job, job that Elliot is always really strictly in control of himself. Mm-hmm. So it's a con. Yeah. And, like, the whole idea is they underestimate 
His ability to his maintain ability control. To re- maintain control. So they fall for the con. Yeah. Like, and it all just ties nicely in together. And I also love the way that they do show in this episode, Elliot is an expert. Because, oh, like, yes. He is so often dismissed as just the hitter. He's just the guy. Just the grunt or the he's, muscle. He's the muscle. He's basically just the protector of the team. He makes sure they don't die. Essentially. What they, was it, I think in season one, like, really early on, Hardison makes a joke about, like, oh, it must be really hard for you not having anything to punch or something. Or, like, Mr. Episode Punchy. two. Yeah. Episode two, the homecoming job, Um, there, there's a joke about how oh, it must have been really hard that you couldn't punch that. Like Yeah, and, like, like I think... Uh, so I think it maybe is the scene where Elliot is like breaks the security camera by throwing the rock. Yes, yeah, that's the second episode, yeah. the homecoming job with mm-hmm. the security container full yeah. of money. Um, but you know, and like throughout the show, there are like all these little little digs at like Elliot's intelligence and Elliot's ability, and it's like no, he is literally described in the first episode as a retrieval specialist. Mm-hmm. He knows, mm-hmm. and I love that he tells Sterling where to stick it about this. Like I love that he makes the point like. He makes an excellent point, actually, which is they have two hostages, which means they can kill one and still keep the power. Like, they can kill one to make a point. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. Like, yeah, they can. Like, you know, and I love that we really got to see Elliot actually take charge because I feel like in the season and, well, most of two seasons that we've yeah. seen, we've seen a lot of Elliot being very good at what he does. Yes. But I don't, like, nothing is springing to mind of scenarios where Elliot has actually taken control, not on, like, not only of himself or the situation mm-hmm. he's immediately in, but actually taken control of the group. Yeah. Like, I can't think of another immediate example where he has been the one in control at large. Yes. You know? Because even in an episode where it's, like, the tap-out job, where mm-hmm. I would argue he provides a lot of sort of, like, the knowledge for the job. He's, he's still context. not he's still not the one who's actually making, making the, the plan. He's still not making the calls. He's just sort of he's, he's really great facilitating. At, yeah, he's supporting the group overall, but he's not actually making any of the decisions. And so when you have a situation where Sophie's not there and Nate's not there, mm-hmm. it's really interesting that in this situation he's the one who steps up. The only other situation I can think of where he even comes close is in the two live crew job when Sophie's holding a bomb. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, it's interesting because those that is probably the other highest stake mm. that the team has faced. So I do think it's really interesting that when it comes to these really, really high stake, like genuine, immediate life or death situations, Elliot is the one who takes charge and Elliot is the one who sort of stays level-headed and makes those final decisions and tells everyone how it is. Yes. Like, he is not taking no for an answer. He will not let Sterling take control of the situation because he knows that Sterling does not understand how to take control of the situation. Yes. And he knows that if they do whatever Sterling says, someone's going to die. Like, and I do think it's really, really fascinating to watch him as a character be in that sort of role, like, Mm -hmm. as a leader because he doesn't often function as a leader. No. And so it's really wonderful, actually, to see that side of his character that we don't often get to. Yeah. Because we get, like, we get a lot of Hardison being very smart. Mm. We get a lot of, like, Parker being very smart. We get a lot of Sophie and Nate being very smart. But it's very rare that we actually see, like, insight to exercise anything other than his muscles. Yeah. 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 Okay. I just really, I'm going to, like, there's a whole bunch of little things that I just really quickly want to mention. Um. 
for this episode. Don't know if there'll be a lot of discussion, so like chime in if anything like sparks something in your brain. Yeah, Otherwise, sure. I just want to get through them. Like, yeah, no, like sounds good. Rapid fire. Uh, first up, I a hundred percent know for a fact that Maggie is talking about Nate when she talks about like I know what being obsessed is. This is not obsessed. She's talking about Nate. There is no questions asked yeah. there. Like when she's talking about being obsessed and how she's not obsessed, she knows what obsessed looks like. She's thinking of Nate. Like that yeah. is. That is the entire context of that scene. Like, that is it. Mm-hmm. I also just want to say that once more we get a mention of a softball team, which, like, what is it with, like, early, like, 2010s, 2008, 2010s media that's like, yeah, we're going to mention softball teams constantly. Oh, my goodness. Speaking of early 2010s media and parallels, the fucking blue filter over the scene where uh, Tara is on the phone yeah. Um, I was like, damn, this feels like an episode of Supernatural. You feel like, like yeah, it's home. so blue. <laughs> and then it has the really terrible, like, zzz effect for the fucking... Oh, my God, the fucking tasers. I... Yeah. And then they reused it later on. I know! Like, they reused it! And I was like, guys, it wasn't good the first time. <laughs> it's actually, like, credit where credit's due. Leverage in terms of, like, special effects and whatever, like, is usually pretty all right. Like, yeah. they do a lot of practical effects or, like, in this episode, for example, in the elevator shafts, like, obviously they're using, yeah. like, some sort of green screen or whatever. And I was like, do you know what? It's suspension fun. of disbelief. Yeah. Obviously, they're not going to put them in actual elevator shafts, whatever. I'm, like, it doesn't annoy me at all. I'm, I understand the practicality. But this one in particular, I was like, there is no need to yeah. add the flashy lights. Considering we literally we've seen people be tased before. Fucking the Order 23 job yes. park against season. Right? Like, we have seen this before. There is no need to have the stupid oh. flashy lights. It, it does nothing except be weird. <laughs> like, While we're talking about stupid direction, the scene, the the camera movement in the scene where Elliot's beating up Sterling, it's a choice. They're, like, zooming here and then zooming there and then they're rotating around. And, like, I think it's very fun, but I don't think it's good. I, I think is the key there. Gotta be honest, didn't really notice it i was already taking notes of the fact that i thought it was completely unbelievable that they were even having that fight in the first place uh and then laughing at sterling trying desperately to bat elliot in any way that he could um so i didn't particularly notice the camera work but i trust your opinion i also just want to say that like supernatural has dean's theme yeah Leverage just has the one piece of theme music that plays any time Sterling appears. Like, if Sterling is, like, the first appearance of Sterling in an episode gets the same theme music, and I love that for him. Like, I I always haven't noticed. Have you not noticed? I will pay attention next time we have an episode with him in, and I will make sure I report back. Just, it's, it's like, it's nothing, like, it's not, like, incredibly distinctive or anything. It's just, like, it's the same. Like, every time, like, he gets his own little, like, it's a little, like, motif. Yeah. It's, like... And it's like, ah, yes, oh, that's very Sterling cute. is here. This is how I know Sterling is here. That's very cute. I would like to see, if that is the case, I would like to see them use that music without showing you that Sterling is there. Like, they have. I would really like it to be... They did in uh, the second David, not the, the first David job. Oh, really? In the van, before you see Sterling. You hear the music. You hear the music. Oh. And then you go, you get the, like, Mark Shepard's incredibly, like distinctive voice yeah that just goes hello parker okay see i would like there to be more of a like i would like yeah a lot longer before the reveal Mm. like i would like them to use the music a little bit throughout the episode Mm. 
And then at the end, maybe you get the reveal that Sterling has been there the whole time. And then as part of that, like, flashbacky montage yeah. thing they do, you get to see where he was mm. at the times they use the music. That would be I cool. may have to re-watch some Sterling episodes and see if they ever do that. Oh, I've wow. never twist your arm, Jamie. I've, I've never noted if they've done that. Because if that's It doesn't case, mean it that they haven't. Cool. I just, I've never noticed it. Yeah. Oh, I also think it's really fascinating the uh, foreshadowing that they do that Sam's actually the evil one just in the levels of formality. Mm. Like, because Sterling greets him as Alex. He then corrects him and says Alexander and then Sam comes in with the Mr. Lundy. Yeah. And it's like that's the moment where you know something's like not quite right. Like if you actually. Yeah, because. there's no reason for him to correct. He's correcting his boss. Yes. Yeah, like he's not correcting Nate and Sterling And so you can point. kind of see like the little bit of like tension there tension there mm. and you know what? i did really love that interaction but it did strike me as odd and then i just yes. completely disregarded yeah. it because it's not like it's not nothing massive or overt it's just like a little subtle thing that makes you feel a little bit like, like that's weird yeah yeah like that's like a weird imbalance of the power mm. dynamic you're expecting yes we really just have to touch on the line maggie's the most honest person we know but other than that she's, she's okay. okay yeah i did adore that line Parker in this episode, honestly, my beloved, she is fantastic. Like, every single thing that she does is an absolute motherfucking vibe. Mm-hmm. Like, even the part where, like, she drops out into the elevator and Nate and Maggie are making out and she's like, excuse me. Get this bum. Like, so fucking good. Like, she is just phenomenal. Every single thing that she does in this episode just filled me with joy. I, I love her, honestly. Like, she is, she is my blobo. I love her <laughs> too much. Um... Uh, yeah, I just, I really do quickly just want to shout out to the scene where, like, they're having this whole conversation and, like, Sterling's, like, Nate's straight now, like, he's on the straight and narrow, like, oh, it's yeah, all legit. Oh, lying to Maggie through their teeth. Yeah, and, like, Parker's just in the background going, like, explaining everything in the fugitive bag, like, she's going to need this stuff. Yeah. Um, And then you have Parker just manhandle Maggie out of the room, like, she, like, grabs her arm and she's like, nah, we're walking this way. Yeah. And then Sterling says... You're a much better liar. Yeah. Which is just like... Interesting. 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 I do also... I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, obviously, like, the bomb... Yeah. ...is designed so that it'll go off and it'll kill Elliot and it'll kill Maggie and Nate and it'll kill uh, Alexander. But then they swap where the bomb is... Yeah. ...put it in the other elevator, and the other dude does not die... He, like, barely even has a fucking scratch on him. I was, like, what? I was just putting that down to he doesn't actually know how powerful a bomb is. Well, yeah. And he thought it was more powerful than it was. Because the other thing is I was, like, wouldn't it, isn't it silly to set off a bomb that is powerful enough to kill people at that distance in an elevator shaft? Literally, like, I don't know. It's stories think- above, in a, in a building, stories above your head. I thought the theory was that it was powerful enough that it was going to kill anyone in proximity. Yeah. But not so powerful that it would do structural damage to the building. Okay, because I assumed that, but then I was like, well, it doesn't even seem like it was powerful enough to actually kill somebody. Damage Like, it would have killed, like, if it had gone off and still in the elevator with Alexander, Maggie, and Nate. It would have killed them. But I don't see how it would have killed all of the people outside yeah. of the elevator. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because he literally, like, gets up. His suit jacket doesn't even have a fucking tear in it. Mm. Like, he looks just as put together as he was at the yeah. start of the scene. Like, he barely fell over. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. It was, I was like, this guy doesn't know how to build bombs. 
I also just want to say that I thought of a meme in this episode. Oh, love that. And that you have Nate in the no fear shirt, and then it's Maggie and Tara getting along. One, <laughs> One fear. fear. That is that is just my thought. Oh my god. I just realized that Tara and Sophie are friends. Yeah. Oh god, I would pay cash money. Cash money. Girl to <laughs> watch those three. Yeah. Sit down, share a bottle of wine or yeah. like drink of choice. And just ran and just it. absolutely go off. I just think that would be so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also just wanna shout out to the perfect sterling line which is maggie's probably just thinking about her continued poor taste in men yeah oh hilarious hilarious which is just such a fucking burn honestly oh i love it so much it really does bring me joy when the writers make fun of nate (laughs) i just i love the fact that we meet nate's ex-wife and instead of being some tragic figure that's like you know weepy and like not heartbroken or and heartbroken and like wants to get back with Nate, but Nate's just no longer a good person. And like Maggie is none of those things. Maggie no. is out here having a ball on this bitch. She's tearing Nate to goddamn shreds. Like yeah, she she's is great. She is just like absolutely vibing, and I love her so much. I love the fact that she is not. She's not what you would expect. No. Because if you normally get a show like this and you meet somebody's ex-wife and they're normally like, maybe not necessarily like weepy, but they're normally like bitter or like they don't like them or whatever. Like, Yeah, the examples that come to mind or the immediate example that comes to mind is yeah. Boyle's ex-wife in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. And it's like they, because the character that you know from the main series is like the protagonist or a protagonist, they paint the ex-partner as somehow toxic bad. or like vindictive or yeah, like, like in a really, really negative light. And I love that in this scenario, you fucking adore Maggie. And like, whatever your position is on Nate, you like Maggie. Yeah. And so you respect her and, you know, you... yeah. You want what, you know, you want her to be happy, like, above all else. And I'm like, damn, I really like this take. I like that they didn't go with, like, well, it's okay, like, Nate, like, you know, his marriage broke down, but he's not really missing out on anything. Like, I love that they were like, no, Maggie is fucking impeccable. And, you know, Nate literally won the lottery with that marriage. And he essentially tore up and threw away the ticket. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Okay, well, they were all the rapid-fire points that I wanted to make. Do you have anything else that you would like to reflect on as part of this episode? Uh, no, I feel like we have covered everything that I had in my notes. Yeah. The only one tiny minor thing that I wanted to point out is I do love Parker's dress. Yes. The pink number. Yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. That's that's it. I no, love her. No further, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love some of the costuming choices they make in the show. Mm. Like fucking Sterling's tie. The tie and pattern shirt combo were a choice and a half. I love them. I, Not because they're like they're necessarily something I'd call like fashionable or Yeah, I, I don't think it looks but good, but <laughs> they match the character so well. Yeah, very lavish. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Like yeah. 
You know that line in... Actually, maybe you don't because you're not a huge Hamilton nerd, but there's a line in Hamilton where um, it's like a a rap battle kind of scenario. And they say it's a line that's... um, I can't remember how it starts, but it basically ends with like dresses like fake royalty. Yes, and that's I do know kind the line. of that's yeah. kind of the line that it does bring to mind. Like he's trying to show off. Yeah. Through like peacock, yeah. sort of behavior, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, if that's all the points you want to make, mm-hmm. I am all done for this episode. So, how would you rate the Zanzibar Marketplace job out of five? I think I'm gonna give it. I'll give it a three and a half. Yep. I think that it's a solid episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is certainly not my favourite. There yeah. have been other episodes this season that I have really loved. Yeah. This one I think is a good episode. Yeah. I'm going to give it the, the 0.5 for Maggie yeah. and Sterling. And oh, do you know what? I would, I would argue that it's a four, but that's only because I love Maggie and Sterling so much. But, like, I fully respect your three and a half. You, like, here's the thing. I'm debating changing it. Yeah. I'm debating changing my answer. Mm-hmm. What I the thing that I'm stuck on is I don't think I really enjoyed the actual plot no. very much. Like, oh yeah, I don't give a shit about the plot. What I love is Maggie and Stella. Like, yeah, but I'm thinking about I'm like, oh, I really loved that scene with Tara, mm-hmm. and I really love Maggie, and I really love Sterling, and I really love those interactions. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my gut, and yeah. I'm gonna say a three point five. Yep. But I would I will just as a caveat say that if we did do quarter ratings, I would probably lean yeah. towards 3.75. Yeah, you're not... But I, I'm yeah. not going to... I don't want to give a it a It's a high 3.5. Yeah. But I it's don't want to give it a 4. Yeah. Because I don't... I did not enjoy it enough to yeah. give it a 4. But I do think it probably sits as higher than a 3.5. I... Yeah. Yeah. That's my yeah. final verdict. No, that's okay. Like, I was not expecting the rating of this episode to be based on anything but how fab Sterling and Maggie were... And how incredible their interactions are. Like, I love... Yeah. Like, that's yeah perfect. Yeah. There were some parts of this episode that were just phenomenal. and But yeah. I feel like the overall... It was, like, it was, it was, it was fine. fine. Yeah. Yeah. No, fully valid. The next episode is called The Future Job. What do you think it's going to be about? Oh, God. Okay. So, when I think of the future... Yeah. I typically... Think about things like sustainability. Yeah. Uh, so particularly like environmental. And I know that I already did the whole guess about environmental, like blah, 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 yeah. with the bottom job. Yeah. But I am. Um, I think I'm going to reinstate it again. Like if I'm thinking about the future, I'm thinking about sustainability. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about clean energy. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, access to healthcare and amenities and, you know, all these things. So I think I'm going to say that it's maybe something to do with farming. Okay. Like agriculture? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm thinking the future of. The future Not gonna of. Not going to lie, something. I thought where you were going to go with that guess was like green technology, well, like electric cars and that I'm sort of stuff. I'm trying to be a little bit more. Like, yeah, I'm trying to be yeah. more specific than just futuristic technology. You know, like I was trying to, like, oh, actually, okay, well, maybe it's going to be. We haven't really had a Hardison episode yeah. yet this season. Mm-hmm. So I might pivot my. Okay, go for it. I'm going to say the future, I like, I'm, because the other thing that I would think of is like advanced tech. Like if you think of like futuristic ideals and typically a lot of the focus tends to be on like technology, the advancements of technology. So maybe this is going to be a more Hardison focused episode and maybe therefore it's going to be to do with 
some sort of new technology or oh maybe it's at like some kind of like at like some sort of tech expo mm-hmm. yeah like you know we had parker really excited about the concept of this particular security system yeah. in this episode so maybe we'll get to see like hardison get really excited about mm-hmm. like oh my god you don't understand like the range on this you know blah yeah. blah blah i feel like that could be really fun because i love hardison and i do want to see that for him yeah i would love to have a hardison focused episode because i feel like we haven't really had one no this season no that's a fully fair and valid all good i will not say anything okay that's <laughs> that is kind your of job my job in this section <laughs> okay well lovely we hope you enjoyed your morning evening night lunch brunch mid-afternoon 2 a.m midnight or 3 a.m oh there's that tea swizzle reference <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. If you want to interact with us at all, you can find us on various social media platforms. All will be in the link trees below. If you want to talk to us, suggested conversation topics include... I just would love to fucking know what the conversation would be like between Maggie and Sophie and Tara. I just think they would have such a fucking fun night out on the town. I I really want to see it. I really want to see I really want to see... What I want mm-hmm. is to see Maggie having to talk Tara and Sophie out of stealing something. I just think that would be so funny. Like, I I just think... So send Beth your Maggie, <laughs> Sophie, Tara, Fick Rex? Yeah. I think that's so funny. As a trio, peak. They are the gold standard. Yeah. Oh, I, I want you to tell me about your favourite implications of, like, Elliot's lack of control being a con. Mm, mm-hmm. Because that is something that, like, the brain worms in my brain really love to munch on. So <laughs> I-, I want them to be fed well. I want to know about any other important pieces of music that you can track through leverage. Yes. Because that is something that I do think is really cool when there's, mm-hmm. like, a specific piece that is reused specific, like for specific situations or characters or scene types. So if there's one that sticks out to you, let us know. I would love to be able to note yeah. it and track it as we go. Because Sterling's entrance theme is the one that I always think of. I haven't noticed any others specifically in terms of trackable pieces of music, but I do know there are a lot of trackable camera shots mm. that are used in like the same way. Like if they're using a shot like this, it's to signify this. And they sort of like they link those things. That's quite cool. But I can't think of any other pieces of music that are particularly, like, linked. Anyway, thank you for joining us. We hope you'll join us again next week for the future, Joel. Bye. Bye. Cool, man.